Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Heart of Flesh podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I am joined in studio here by my co-host <laughs> in studio, Joshua. In apartment. <laughs> yeah. By that, I mean uh, at my kitchen table. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So we're on to another episode here. Uh, the last episode, we kind of maybe gave a bit of an introduction to the gospel, uh, the importance of the gospel, uh, the role that it plays. Uh, this episode, um, we want to talk about how, you know, the gospel and, and, and salvation and redemption, mm-hmm. uh, which we asserted that that's what the Bible's primarily about. Yep. That implies that we're saved from something. Mm-hmm. The gospel meets a need of yep. ours. Uh, it answers the question of, of how we can be made right with God. Uh, you know, just in, in that sense, implying that we are not right with God mm-hmm. um, immediately. So we want to explore that a bit in this episode. Uh, we intend to release this kind of as a uh, part one of a two-part episode. Yep. Uh, in in this part, we are going to be talking about specifically um, the universality of sin, uh, meaning that you know Romans three twenty three. We've kind of mentioned that before, but all are sinners and fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> There's a universal need for the gospel. Yep. For every human, <laughs> every human that's that's lived needs the gospel, uh, needs salvation. Left to ourselves on our own without the gospel, um, uh, accounted uh, or, or standing before the throne of God by our own works, by what we've done, uh, we are left with with justice, um, the justice of God, and and our sin is made clear and brought to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, w- without the gospel, that's where we lie. All of us, every person. So what we kind of want to do in this episode is, is discuss that, uh, where the Bible teaches that, how this happened, what it means, what it looks like, yep. stuff like that. Uh, but but please come back for part two. Yeah. Um, we're we're going to talk about how the gospel re- redeems out of this, yep. how it meets this problem. Um, and, and we want to release these together so that, you know, we're, we're recording this. We're going to record the next one later. Yep. Uh, but we don't want to just just leave on this note, yep. um, but but put out the other episode with it as well. So that's kind that's kind of our hope. Uh, we're we're going to discuss what the Bible says about the universal need for salvation, uh, the universality of of sin, and we're going to look at how this happened, yep. uh, w- what it means, what it looks like. That's kind of the goal. So when we look at how this happened. We are going back to Genesis 1 through 3. All good theology starts in Genesis. That's right. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. No, it doesn't. Yeah. But it starts in, in Genesis. And, and so many of the... Oh, Genesis 1 through 3 informs so much of yeah. our theology. Mm-hmm. And and actually informs so much of our worldview. Yeah. Who is God? Who are we? Um, what is this world that we live in? Why is there sin? Mm-hmm. Why is there... Their, their brokenness what were we made for yep. what was what was the purpose of of the creation of man what are we made for uh th- those questions really we find answer to them in genesis one through mm-hmm. three um and, and in there we find uh the reason why there's brokenness why there's sin we find how all this came about yep. so as we look at genesis one through three first of all in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. See, the God created all things. That at the, the climax of his creation, 
that he that he created man in his image, male and female, and, and after his likeness, um, and that 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 man that mankind, man and woman, were made with a unique and special relationship to God. Yeah. Uh, before sin, lived in in the presence of God. Uh, were made to know God, to glorify God, uh, to enjoy god Mm -hmm. and and enjoy the relationship with god that that's still what we're made for by the way we're made for that purpose to to know god to glorify god and that's where our true purpose comes from Mm -hmm. so when we try to fill that with other things they ultimately fall short because we were made to know god i would say in genesis 1 2 or 1 also um what's happening there is is a theological statement is being made about god there's an issue of disorder in there being formless and void. And God brings order to that by filling the formless or bringing form to the formless and filling the void. Yeah. So like in Genesis chapter one, it's, it's making a theological statement about God doing that. Yeah. It's become, you know, a really, a really prominent place for discussion, mm-hmm. uh, especially with the rise of, um, some aspects of, of modern science and, and theories of evolution, which we've discussed on here in the past, yeah. but but primarily the point you're making is that it's not it's not giving us a scientific account mm-hmm. or a scientific perspective of the creation of the world. Yep. It's giving us a theological perspective. Yep. It's telling us who God is, who we are. Um, that God is yeah. is bringing order out of disorder. Uh, yep. The the purposes of His creation, things like that, and it's doing it right at in the first sentences of the Bible. Yep, it's setting that. Uh, I don't know, perspective for us, precedent, that right. God is sovereign. He is in control. He brings order t- from disorder. Yep. So, so God, at the height of this Genesis 126, God creates man in his image. Um, in verse 28, it says, And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves. So God made us to know him, to be in a relationship, and actually to rule on his behalf, mm-hmm. to have dominion over the earth. We, we have a special place uh, among creation. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're to rule and subdue the earth and, and to fill it with more images of God. Yep. And in chapter 2, we see that the way that that happens is through the marriage covenant mm-hmm. uh, between male and female. So the, the way that that happens, male and female both together create the full image of God. They are, they are both alike and equal in, in dignity, worth, and, and value, but, but there are distinctions between male and female. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point, <coughs> there is much to be said about that in here. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what the Bible says about manhood, womanhood, all of that. At some point, we'll probably get to a series about that. That, that is something we love, love to discuss and something yeah. that is extremely relevant in our day. Uh, but that's not the purpose of this episode. So, <coughs> As we continue, we see that God made everything. He made everything good. And God uh, gave, gave one command to, to Adam and Eve. Uh, Genesis two, fifteen. it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden. So, so essentially, all of this all is yours. yours. It, it all belongs to you. Rule it. Subdue it. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. But, but, verse 17, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, eat of it, you shall surely die. So, 
right there, uh, we have a stipulation. Mm-hmm. God has, has given it and blessed man with all things um, to enjoy, to, to rule on God's behalf, uh, to, to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Um, but, but there is one stipulation of, of what you shall not do, mm-hmm. what you shall not do. And as we move into Genesis chapter 3, we're going to see that how this actually comes about and how Adam uh, and his wife Eve fail to trust God. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they fail to um, look to God. They fail to, to believe that, that what God has said is true and right. And the serpent <coughs> essentially convinces them uh, that God is holding something back from them, yeah. uh, that, that they uh, can, can be like God, that they can mm-hmm. transcend to God's place yep. uh, that they can undo the, the rightful relationship and, and the rightful order that they have with God mm-hmm. um, and, and this is going to bring the judgment of God yep. on the world this, this is a, a major and serious sin and it's going to bring the judgment of God what we see in verses 16 and 17 here is that Adam and Eve humanity was created to be relationally independence with God. They are dependent upon him. He created us to be that way. And what kind of happens very generally speaking in the fall that we're going to look at here is they denied that for themselves. And they said, I want to be independent of God. I I want to go my own way. Exactly. Um, And actually they, they, they follow and and submit themselves to the serpent uh, embodied by Satan. Yep. So they actually serve a different yeah. ruler than God, yeah. w- which is Satan. So the and g- and the at the at the heart of this, like thi- this is fundamental to human sin: mm-hmm. failure to believe God, failure to trust God, desire to be independent of God, yeah. and where that lands us. And Revelation's clear on this. Also, other parts where that lands us is actually in service and submission, not to God but to Satan. Yep. Who, who I, I, goal and desire is to overthrow God, mm-hmm. uh, to offer a different way uh, yep. to be independent of God, which yep. we weren't created to be. No. And like, so the theological statement that was made in chapter one is that God is sovereign. He is creator. He has authority over all things because he created it. And Adam and Eve in chapter three, they say, blatantly to god's face we reject your authority and we choose our own in the creation who is embodied in the like the evilness of satan yeah so yeah so as as we go into into chapter three um it just it just begins this way we'll read the account of it uh it starts it says now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the (laughs) lord god had made and and now just when we think about this the certain the serpent is the is the embodiment of Satan, right? Sa- Satan is is embodied in this serpent. He said to the woman, "Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?" So so he challenges the word of God. Did God actually say that? Also, just just notice that that is very fundamental to sin today. Mm-hmm. There is this this question still going on. Did God actually say this? Yep. Does God's word actually reflect what God has said? Mm-hmm. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. So the woman responds to the serpent 
And she actually misquotes the commandment of God. She mm-hmm. says, we may not even touch it, which is not what God said. She adds an extra rule to it. Also in the midst of this, we're going to see later that th- th- this sin is blamed on Adam. Mm-hmm. Adam bears the responsibility for this sin. Yep. Th- though in the account, uh, we, we see that it is Eve who is deceived, who, who gives the fruit to Adam. He also eats. Adam bears the responsibility for this. And that has some implications on the way we, we view manhood and womanhood. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to dive into the fullness of that. But we, we see that, that, that this is pinned on Adam who fails mm-hmm. to lead and protect his wife. So, so as we continue... But the serpent said to the woman, you, shall, you will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So, so he, he feeds them this lie of independence from God, that God is holding something back from them, and, and offers them a new way. And verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desired to, be, to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So we see that they have officially uh, transgressed. Uh, they have sinned against God, um, and now there is something different. Uh, there, there's something different about them. And as we see, you know, you continue to read that, that chapter, God pronounces judgment on them. Also, you see where, where they had lived before in perfect harmony, uh, there is now destruction in, in human in their human relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam blames Eve. Um, when, when God confronts him on this, he says, "The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit, and I ate." Uh, so, so Adam blames Eve, and right here we have just the destruction of human relationships to come. And as you continue to read in Genesis, chapter four through chapter eleven, really you see the outworking of this sin and the effect that it had. So because of this, God pronounces judgment on the serpent. And in Genesis 3.15, he promises actually that what the serpent has, has done and, and what has happened here is going to be overthrown, mm-hmm. or that there's going to be redemption and salvation in someone who will be born of the woman. So, so God promises to bring grace against this. Mm-hmm. G- God promised in, in sin to bring to bring death when they would do this. Mm-hmm. And what, what God does is the, the process of death begins physically, mm-hmm. but spiritual death happens immediately. They are yep. separated from God and exiled from the garden. But God pronounces judgment on the serpent. He promises redemption. And he also casts judgment on, on the woman and the man and, and on the earth. S- so we live uh, in what we would call a fallen world. Yep. We live in a, a world that's been affected by this fall and this sin. We, li- we live in a world that's under judgment. Mm-hmm. God has, has judged the world because of this and, and humanity because of this. But God is also bringing redemption and yep. salvation through that. Yep. I like, we were talking before this too, and uh, the sin of Adam had a cosmic effect, is how you said it. It doesn't just affect the individual Adam because God goes and he, he uh, judges or... Yeah, I guess judges Adam and Eve. He judges a serpent, and then he subjects the whole world to corruption, essentially, and it and it deals with the consequences of sin. And we see that in Romans, I think it's eight, where it talks about like the the earth creation groans to be delivered from this subjection. Yeah, it says to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you, mm-hmm. uh, and to Eve, uh, in pain you shall bear children. Yep. 
uh, th this and look back at the creation mandate, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Now that's going to come about rule and subdue the earth. Mm -hmm. Now that's going to come about through pain and toil. Yep. And God is still going to accomplish that. That creation mandate is still going to be fulfilled really, really in the second Adam in Christ. But now this is a difficult task. Yep. The purposes for which we were made uh, to know God, to be in relationship with him. We've now been separated from him by sin uh, to rule and subdue the earth. That is now a difficult task mm -hmm. uh, f for women. The bearing of children, the multiplying of the image of God that has now been made painful. Yeah. Like Adam, we have, we have, so we're in North Dakota here. We're in the Midwest. Hope there's probably a lot of Midwest listeners. Just think of farming without having to do any sort of weeding deal with thistles or anything like, right. I mean, you grew up on a farm, right? Yeah. And you had to spray your crops every year. That would not have to happen without the fall. Yeah. It's a byproduct of sin. Yeah. But now this comes about with, with difficulty and with struggle. And yet, and yet God is still gracious to, mm -hmm. um, you know, gracious to farming has become much easier. Yeah. Uh, God, is, God is gracious to, to allow that to happen. I mean, he allowed for chemicals to be able to work yep. against that. Yep. But at, at the end of the day, one thing that yep. uh, we don't often realize about about farming, about agriculture, uh, as much as we advance technolo technologically, mm -hmm. um, as, as much as we advance in our ability to control uh, yields and to increase them, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, God sends the rains. Yep. Uh, God controls the weather. God sends the rains. Mm -hmm. And that, that's at the heart still of, of any um, successful farming practices. Yeah. Even if you have irrigation, like yep. the rain still comes to provide that water. Yep. So, uh, that, that is kind of an answer to this question of how, how this happened. Yep. How did this come about? Um, and, and as we read through the Bible, the rest of the Bible, we see the effect of this. Um, we see that the effect that this has had on the human heart. And you think of Jeremiah seventeen nine, the, the heart is deceitful mm -hmm. above all things and desperately sick. Who can know it? Um, we see it just in the, in the biblical stories and the narratives uh, the the capacity of the human heart for for sin and rebellion against God, uh, t to love and serve self above God, or to love and serve things above God, despite what we were made to do. And and this this sin of Adam is not just like like we said, it's not limited to Adam, but but it affects all of us. Um, God God in Adam's sin, God judged humanity, mm -hmm. uh, and, and we f we fell. And now God is bringing redemption and salvation through uh, that world and, and this judgment. So as, as we look at kind of what this means for us, uh, we're going to look at, at Romans 5. And, and really Romans 5, 12 through 21 mm -hmm. uh, gives us um, <coughs> an example of essentially what we would call federal theology. Mm -hmm. Uh, that Adam was was a federal head of humanity, that he represented humanity, and that, that when he fell, humanity fell in him. Yep. So, so in, in Adam, humanity fell along with him. You've probably heard of the doctrine of original sin, mm -hmm. um, that, that all of us are, we share in the guilt of Adam, yep. and that we are, we are sinners, not just by choice, not just because we choose to mm -hmm. sin, which we do, but we are also sinners by nature. Yep. Uh, you know, I think we had that meeting the other day and Kevin Olson, a friend mm -hmm. of ours, put it this way. He said, um, we are not sinners because we sin, 
but instead we sin because we're sinners. Yep. Uh, it, it's our nature. We are we are born to a sinful nature. Mm-hmm. You know, David. I think I can't remember what I Psalm, David, but yeah, I don't remember. In either. sin did my mother conceive me. Yep. So, so we are subjected to this sin. But the point of Romans five is that just like the guilt and the sin of the first Adam was imputed to us, imputed meaning it, it was reckoned to our account. So is the grace of God uh, and, and justification by faith, our, our salvation mm-hmm. imputed to us by the second Adam, yep. which is Christ. Yep. So, so just like, just like we can be in Adam, the Bible uses that term in Adam, mm-hmm. uh, which means that we are essentially what that means is that we are, we are subject to the judgment of God mm-hmm. uh, to, to, to pay for our sin. Um, we can either be in Adam or as Paul often describes it, in Christ. If we are in Adam, then the judgment of God remains on us. Uh, our sin, we are we are uh, accountable for, and we have the responsibility to, to pay for. Yep. Uh, we, we What we receive from God is the justice of God, uh, the proper penalty for our sin. Or if, if we are in Christ, then what belongs to us is the, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ. Uh, whereby we are justified by faith Mm -hmm. and whereby we stand in the grace of God, in the mercy of God. So, so you'll notice in this, uh, that there are two options available for, for all people. Either you are in Adam and you receive the justice of God or you are in Christ and you receive the grace of God. But what is not available in either of these two options is injustice. Mm -hmm. There is either justice or grace, justice or, mercy uh there is no injustice on either of these in either of these cases yeah the reason why that is the case is because when you are in christ it is christ who received the justice you deserved right and it's through christ then that he can portion out grace because he paid for the sins of those people who are extended grace yeah so special or yeah, a yeah. special form of grace. Yep, a saving, a saving type of grace. grace. Yep. So as we look at Romans 5.12, uh, it essentially makes this point, uh, or, or 5.12 through 21, it essentially makes this point. I don't think I'm going to read all of it, uh, but Paul starts this way. He says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. If, if we you wonder why people die, uh, people die because of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, sin brought into the world by Adam continued by all of his posterity, continued by uh, all humans. And verse 13 says, For sin indeed was in the world uh, before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there's no law. That's that's a bit of a, a digression there. Um, but as, it, as, it, as, as Paul continues in this argument, you look at verse 15, uh, the sin of Adam is contrasted with the mm-hmm. grace of Christ. So verse 15, But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. So, so all have died in Adam. All are subject to sin and judgment. But in Christ, uh, the gift of grace and, and the grace of God has abounded for many. Verse 16, And the free, gra- and the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, 
For the judgment following one trespass, but brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So what we see here is that in Adam, the world has been brought into sin. In Adam, the world has been cast under sin. In, in Adam, we are born to a sinful nature. And by our, our choosing, we, we choose sin in rebellion. We make the choice that Adam did uh, to, to reject the authority and goodness of God and to go our own way, to, to listen to the voice of the serpent and, and to rebel against God. That, that is, in Adam, that's what we do. And that's how we're born. But in Christ, we are redeemed from this. Um, the, the penalty of our sin is paid for and accounted for. And we are given grace and justification mm -hmm. and eternal life. Uh, and all people are either in Adam or in Christ. Mm -hmm. There's one of those two things. The, the option is either for justice in Adam or, or, or grace in Christ. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit, you know, Paul is describing what that, what that fall meant for us theologically, yep. um, th that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans three twenty three as well. And, uh, you know, you look at, you look at like Ephesians two, and this is a good example of this. And this actually like highlights what Paul is saying that just like Adam, we choose to follow the serpent. Uh, Ephesians two, one starts this way. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. So it says referring to Satan, apart from the grace of Christ, we are following and in obedience uh, to Satan. And then verse three, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Living for ourselves, uh, just, just carrying out the desires uh, that we see fit, Re rejecting the purpose that we were made for, which is to know God, to be in a relationship with God, uh, to be in, in dependence on God, uh, obedient to God. Uh, but verse four there, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So God has done something about, yeah. about this sin. God has brought redemption out of it Man, uh, in I'm, Christ. As you're reading through those passages in Romans 5 and Ephesians, I'm just feeling a great sense of gratitude and a great sense of just unexpressible joy for what Christ has done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that, that that's a bit of an overview. Um, you know, Genesis 1 through 3, how did this happen? Uh, and then Romans 5 kind of gives us what this means mm -hmm. for us, uh, what it means for us theologically. Um, and, and now maybe we want to just talk about what does this look like? Mm -hmm. how, how does this actually happen? Uh, what does this look like in our own lives? And I think a good place to start uh, is going to be Romans 1, kind of 18 through 32. So if, if you're familiar with the book of Romans at all, um, Paul has not been there. Uh, he hasn't preached to the gospel Rome. To, to Rome yep. to preach the gospel to them. So 
if there's any place uh, where Paul kind of gives a systematic treatment of the gospel, like like a, a longer, more detailed version, uh, we really find that in Romans. Mm-hmm. And Paul's first point to make in it is this point that we're making today in this podcast that that, that sin uh, and the sinful nature is, is universal. Mm-hmm. That actually that all people are in need of the salvation and the mercy of God. Um, that, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God mm-hmm. and therefore are in need of salvation. So as we look at how this actually plays out, th- this passage is uh, a really good, really good start for us. Uh, you know, verse 18 starts this way. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So, so there's a truth that is known about God, but that is suppressed in unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. We've used this example before. It's like you take a, a basketball, you hold it under the water. Mm-hmm. It's like the truth of God is, is screaming in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's loud. It's, it's able to be known, but it is suppressed in unrighteousness. Our, our desire is not to submit to the truth of God, but to be independent of God, to do our own thing, to, to go our own way. And, Paul continues in verse 19, he says, For what can be known about God is plain because God has shown it. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. So, so that's again making this point that the, the knowability of God is, is, is plain in the world. Mm-hmm. We can see it by creation. It, it becomes clear to us in the word of God uh, the special revelation of God. But what, what we do is that we, we perceive this knowledge of God and suppress it. Mm-hmm. Uh, w- the things that we know about God, we, we suppress. And that is just part of the, the nature of sin. It begins with a suppression of truth mm-hmm. uh, in, in order for, for the partaking of, of, of unrighteousness. And, and then Paul continues in verse 21. He says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Although they know God, they suppress that truth and they don't honor him or give thanks to him. Mm-hmm. And what's the result of that? So it begins with the suppression of truth, Paul says, but the result of that is that they become futile in their thinking they become futile in their thinking we've talked about this verse before uh, proverbs 1 7 but the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the lord mm-hmm. so so to depart from that is to depart from wisdom yeah. and, and w- w- what we do like, like this says although knowing god not honoring him not giving thanks to him not submitting to him not recognizing who he is what he's done not having a proper reverence for him that leads to foolish thinking. Mm-hmm. And we see that all over the world. We see that in ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, foolish thinking. And in verse 23, we see this as well. It says, They exchange the glory of the immortal God, the true God. And what this says is for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So that's a bit foreign to us. But but at Paul's day, uh, and in the history of the world at that time, there is just... The, the centrality of religious worship is idols, mm-hmm. uh, physical images, idols. physical things. That's a little different than today. Yep. But here, here's here's essentially the point of that. 
When you exchange the truth of God, you become foolish in your thinking, but you don't stop becoming a worshiper of something. Mm-hmm. You don't become irreligious yep. because you deny the truth of God. You just worship something else. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that can be many things. Uh, in your life, that could be money. Uh, you could worship wealth and prosperity. Uh, you could worship recognition or acceptance by people. Um, a myriad of things that you mm-hmm. could worship. But here's the point. Denying the truth about God leads you to, f- to foolish thinking and to false worship. Mm-hmm. It leads you to, to, to worship wrongly and falsely. But it begins with a, a rejection of the truth of God. Uh, and then you, you begin to worship things that are lesser gods, false gods. So what you do is you, 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 you were made to know the true God. And in knowing the true God is where you find actual purpose. It's where you find actual peace, actual comfort, actual joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you exchange that truth for something else, uh, a substitute <coughs> that gives a lesser and a, and a false and an insecure sense of true purpose, true joy, true peace, true comfort, true acceptance. Uh, y- you exchange it for, for a false and different God that can't actually deliver the things that you were made for, which can only come in, in relationship with God. So the nature of sin uh, begins with a suppression of the truth it leads to false worship, to idolatry, to, to worshiping other things that are not God, maybe yourself, um, other things that are, that are lesser than God, created things. And then as we look at the rest of this passage, uh, Paul continues in verse 24, it says, Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. That reference to serving the creature, that really looks back to Genesis 3, uh, s- submitting themselves to, to the rule and the, and the authority of Satan. But here's the point of this, and then the rest of this passage is going to go into this as well. But the nature of sin, it begins with the suppression of truth, then it moves on to false worship, worshiping false things, false gods, idols, which leads to immorality Mm -hmm. and sin. And uh, now this passage kind of ends in this way. It says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Verse 32, though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. So that is the the final outworking uh, of this trail of sin that begins with suppression of truth about God, it leads to false worship and it leads to all sort of distorted behavior. Mm-hmm. Uh, it leads to, to a per- perversion of, of what is good and what is right and what is honoring to God. And you see in the last verse, though they know God's righteous and good decree about such things, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. So, so there is a flip. Uh, sin ultimately leads to a, a flip uh, and a reversal of what is good, it is exchanged for what is evil. Um, 
a, a proper relationship with God is flipped and it is exchanged uh, for, for false worship, which ultimately behind that um, is the same serpent from Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. That's ultimately what's behind all of that. Yeah, and that's like one of the things we've been learning about in some of our classes this semester is you become what you worship. And because Satan is kind of like at the end of all of our wrong worship, we become like him. And the scripture says that seeking or Satan has come to seek and kill and destroy. And it, all of these like immoral things that Jackson just read about can be like, that is the epitome of who Satan is. And so we actually end up becoming not like God who is good and pure and merciful and loving, but we become like Satan who is debased in his very nature and it it plays itself out in these ways. So I hope, I hope in this, you just see the destructive nature of sin, Mm -hmm. the destructive nature in sin and see that ultimately it starts with false beliefs and with suppression of the truth and and in false worship. And, And now, just just to wrap things up, the main point of all of this, the main message is that all of us are are prone to this. Mm-hmm. Like all to to all of us belongs this sinful nature. Yep. In, in Adam, all of us have fallen. We are all subject to this kind of thinking, uh, to this abandonment of God, and this desire to do things our our own way. Mm-hmm. That is not you know you know we address this conversation to you guys, Josh and I are. Cer- certainly before we knew Christ, but even still subject yep. to We're no uh, different. the, the powers, the, 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 the strength of, of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but graciously God is working in us. Um, first of all, to, to offer us forgiveness mm-hmm. in Christ, but then actually to, to give us power over that sin as well. Yep. And, and, and praise God for that. Yeah, And if you want to l- see what that looks like in our lives, go read Romans seven. Yeah. And that's, I was literally just talking with my wife about that last night and how it can feel like I don't want to sin anymore, but I keep doing it. And Paul's like, I don't know why this keeps going on. Well, yeah. he gives an answer for it at the end of chapter seven. It's it's because of the body of death that we live in. That yeah. The sin still clings to. Um, but if you want to see what that wrestle looks like from a Christian perspective, Romans seven yeah. is a good place to see that. And we just... We look for our great hope, mm-hmm. uh, which is the Christ has paid for our sins, but also that that in heaven, in, in the new heavens and the new earth, it is a place where righteousness dwells, yep. where, where there is no more sin, where we are actually made free from our sin, and we are able to walk in, in the true purpose we were made for, uh, in fellowship, and, and in the presence of God, free from sin. So that is our our great, our great hope. That is what we look for. Yeah. Um, you know, we've kind of sprinkled in the good news into this episode, yep. uh, but but I hope we've clearly portrayed the universality of sin, the need for salvation, yep. and I hope that you guys will turn in, uh, tune into the next episode where we will discuss yep. uh, more deeply what this salvation looks like, how it's accomplished, uh, things like that. Yeah, I do want to say one more thing before we go. Um, one of the things that are posed against Christians is you live a boring life or you're restricted in what you can do because there are commands that God places on us that we are to live a certain way. 
and to that I would respond, the scripture speaks not of freedom in sin, but of bondage and of slavery to sin. And in fact, if you take a look at your life before you were a Christian or even now if you aren't one, would you say that you have the freedom to act or are you bound in bondage to the sin that is ultimately destroying? So what what the Bible speaks about when we come to Christ is we're freed from that slavery and brought into true freedom, not to slavery. Yeah, that's the the great lie of, mm-hmm. of Satan in Genesis 3 and, and in our own lives, that God is withholding something from us, uh, that, that we need something other than God to find joy, peace, oh. uh, happiness, blessing, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, that question, did, did God really say nope. that? Nope. Uh, but, but we find um, in the work of Christ and, uh, and in God's word that the true freedom, true liberty, uh, mm-hmm. peace is found actually in obedience yep. to God and actually in, in submission to God. Yeah. Um, that is an excellent point. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah. So we're going to close here. Uh, hopefully you guys come back. Um, yeah, we, we pray that uh, th- this message would be a, a blessing to those mm-hmm. who hear it. I pray that it is, has blessed you. Uh, we thank you guys for tuning in um, and, and please do again. So thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll see you again. Yep.